There we go, everybody. Welcome to Fairly Normal with Josh Wolf. I'm here with the very handsome. Thank you. Incredibly in shape. Yeah, youthful. Youthful? Tight-skinned. Vibrant? Vibrant, supple. Supple? Jungle cat-like. Mm-hmm. Brian Callen. Intense. Intense. I, I wasn't done with adjectives, but okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the intensity just, it seeps out of your We're eyes. We're looking for a young Brian Callen. Um, Did I tell you that my agent called me? Because they were looking for a Josh Wolf type <laughs> and said, do you want to go in on this? I was like, uh, yeah. I feel like you and I have, <laughs> you and I are kind of at the same level yeah. fame wise in terms of just like, you know, always kind of not famous, but just sort of like I would say, I'm the guy, I'm the sometimes working actor. I do small parts in big films sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else? Like when did, why are we at the Josh Wolf type? spot when we were never at the josh wolf spot <laughs> do you know what i mean like i do you you skipped over the spot where i was getting those roles yeah. and now you're just going for my type well unfortunately if i died people would go oh the i don't who oh that guy oh yeah pass the salt would you you, you know what you are that guy yeah i even my, when i said to my wife i was like brian callen's coming over she's like brian callen i gotta let me pull a picture she goes oh that guy <laughs> And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, dude. I'll why take not? It. I'm making a living. How long have you been in, in? 20 years. 20 years. From where? Really more. From New York. So 20 years. And I've so been making money for 20 years, which is n- not that. You've and had, some you, years good. Most years good, though. Most years, I mean, was not, the last, not Last year you had a job job. Uh, 25 years ago. 24, 20, yeah, something like that. And up until time. then, were you making, like, when did you make money, start making money doing stand-up? Not until, not, it was probably eight years ago. So before that, it was all acting. Right. You did like every deals. pilot. Every time I would, because yeah. when, we, look, stand-up is in a boom right now. Yeah. You can make money doing stand-up Yes. Right so when we were auditioning for pilots, it wasn't so. Well, you know, I, I, I often feel as though, I say to myself, I wish I'd started. I wish I'd started doing the road when Rogan and Bill Burr and those guys had done it because we're all the same age. But, yeah. but you know, I worked so hard at acting, and I really tried so hard, and I really tried to be what I wanted to be as an actor. Yeah. And I realized, looking back on it, that part of it was I choked because uh, I wanted it so badly a lot of the time when the big parts would come up. So I failed in that regard. But I did work a lot too, and I think. Um, but the other issue was that I wasn't. Probably, I was more in love with making people laugh on a set than actually doing the acting. And frankly, if I'm really honest with myself and I look back at all the jobs I've ever done, I don't think I ever showed up on set and didn't want it to end. Uh, yeah. I was always and continue to always look forward to when we're done. Acting on film <laughs> wait, is wait, so, so what repetitious. You're is, what you're saying is. You tried like hell to get the role, but when you got the role, you were like, when is this over? That's right. And that's mm. not good. Bradley Cooper, as an example, absolutely loves every detail of acting, from how it's shot to what your belt's doing, all that stuff. Yeah. You what, know? your belt? Yeah. When I did The Hangover, he said, dude, have your belt undone. Like, maybe you've finished taking a pee and come out. Like, he gave me a bunch of things to do. He that gave made... you a belt note? Yeah, he, but he, and he gave me a bunch of stuff that, that worked. Like Bradley will will direct you while you're acting because he he's so invested in the film and he loves acting and so he just wants to help you. He wants to make you look good. I hate to say it, but he's a great guy. I he's hate ha- him. Handsome, and a gazillionaire, he, and he speaks fluent French. He does. He and my wife just himself. walked in. You see my wife? Hi. 
Uh, that's Your wife is a dime piece. Yeah, she's pretty good looking, What a right? smoke show, huh? I know, not terrible. That's what happens when you look, you're, you're a cutie pie with a good personality. And Thanks, you buddy. That. Yeah, I know. It's not Fantastic. terrible, right? Congratulations on yeah. your cheekbones. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> They're she's, pretty good. She's a hot brunette. Mm-hmm. Well mm-hmm. done. I've Adam. done pretty and well. Well done to you. Roofies. Roofies is what it's That's about. the only way. You know how I lured her in, right? No. Well, you're funny. Well, I lured her in with with being the single dad. I was dangling the three kids. Of course. The first phone call I had with her, I was making dinner for the kids by myself. So in what she always says, the line that I liked, that she loved, that she fell in love with, was me saying to my daughter, hey, Caitlin, what do you want on your turkey burgers, baby? And she was like, hooked. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I Amazing. hooked her with turkey burgers, buddy. Dude. Who knew it was that easy? Women. Let me, let me tell you something. We've, we, we wasted so many years trying to come up with these crazy lines. I know. You just got to pretend they, like you're they, cooking turkey burgers. They did an interesting study on uh, men. Bye. Bye, babe. They did an interesting study on men. They showed men. It had nothing to do with level. What They want to see... Um, how good a father a man would make. And some men would leave. So, and, and they, what, what is it? What is the factor of some men leave and they're not as attentive as fathers? Mm-hmm. And, and what, what, how do you find a man who's a good father and more attentive and is there? And they, they did an interesting experiment where they showed men uh, a pornographic film, uh, actually a woman dancing naked. Okay. And the men who... Um, who I, f- first they showed... I'm sorry. First they showed the men... Uh, children, pictures of children, and, and they had them play with some children or something. Then they showed the men... Not in a Jared subway. No, kind of. no. Then they showed <laughs> the men some hot woman dancing, and the men whose testosterone spiked were the men who uh, were most likely to not be good fathers. If the they men, spiked when they saw the woman dancing. Yes, the mm-hmm. men, but the, when the testosterone didn't spike or even stayed the same... They always those were the ones that made the best fathers. So it had nothing to do with where you start testosterone wise. It's what the image of a dancing woman does to you, and what your testosterone, what your levels are after that will determine. According to this study, I don't know if I buy into that. Well, it's just one study, but it was interesting. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. The Economist, the Economist did a an experiment. Let me just say, this is why to me you are one of the most fascinating guys out there and if you haven't seen your stand-up mm. it's ridiculous <laughs> silly it's, yeah. it's, it's it's ridiculous yeah. yeah and what i love about you is that you deliver ridiculous lines that cannot be true right. with extreme confidence yes i'm is a liar t- yeah but but yeah. with such precision and yeah. confidence right mm. so your stand-up is silly mm. you're an Ultra intelligent dude. I don't think I don't know about that. You're very well read. Yes. Okay. In comparison to, I'm well read in comparison to a lot of people in Los Angeles and other comics. comics. Yes. Okay, but I would also tell you that that you're quoting the Economist. That takes that's probably a small percentage of this country. Mm -hmm. Would you say that? Probably. Um, Why do you feel like? And I'll tell you, I kind of do it, not to the same level that you do it. Why do you feel like? Uh, do you feel like you dumb yourself down on stage? No, I, I don't. Um, I, I, you know, when we talk about lying, for me, everything I do on stage is true. In fact, 
uh, and what I mean by that is that uh, if I'm talking about giving myself a butter bath or riding a horse with long hair, yes, uh, I and, and I've kind of moved on from that, <laughs> but, but, but that's all how right. I want to be. That, that, that's great ingrained in a great deal of truth. So there's a, there's most of my life is spent wishing I were somewhere, someone else. Right. That's a very different, um, perspective and probably a different mindset. I have another facet to my personality, which is that I think understanding why and how the world works and being politically and philosophically committed to something is very important for a man and frankly for a citizen. And, and I think because otherwise you become a tool and so part of the problem. I think it's important to know why someone like Donald Trump is damaging. I also think it's important to know why Donald Trump um, has a point of view. I think it's also important to know why, wh- where he does add value and where he detracts. And, and I think it's important rather than say, I don't like Donald Trump, I think it's better to say, I, I think he does more harm than he does good yeah. at this stage. It's kind of like when you speak about being a Republican or Democrat. The problem with coming to a discussion saying, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat, or I'm left wing, or I'm right wing, mm-hmm. is that you are immediately fixing yourself as a noun. Yeah, but you know what else with those particular nouns? Yeah. Is that, especially in today's society, if I say Republican. It comes with a bunch of baggage and yeah. presuppositions. Yes. Yeah. And it, when you say Republican, everybody assumes Far right it is wing off, conservative. It's an, it is an offensive. Yes, an oh, like not a defensive, but an offensive point of view. Rather than coming to something as in neutral, it's a little bit like saying I'm a Jew, I'm a Catholic. Yes. When I say when somebody says I'm a Jew or somebody says I'm a Catholic, it comes with we, you know, it comes with a great deal of uh, labels. It, we, we immediately say that person must be or could be. Uh, pro-life and all these things. Right, but there are a ton of people, and I will tell you there's some people in my family, who have said, well, I guess if I had to check a box, it would be Republican because fiscally, yes. they're conservative. Socially, they're incredibly so, so, liberal, So, right? a very good point. So, 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 this is how, exactly, and so this is how I think discussions should be um, approached. I never say I'm a Republican or a Democrat. What I, what I start with is a question, which is, let's start the discussion this way. To what extent, and and let's even talk degrees, do you think the government should have control over the choices you make in your life? It should have some control. We do need some government. The question is, do you want to give 50% of your money to government? Do you want to give 40, 65%? It just depends. Right. Bernie, Bernie Sanders says, you know, if you make a lot of money, you should probably spend, you know, I would imagine he'd be very happy with taxing anybody who makes over 500 grand, 70% of their income. Yes. He seems to think that works. I disagree with that very much, but I'm not saying that I'm a Republican because Republicans, frankly, make it impossible to vote for them because I'm not a, I mean, a lot of these guys are just very, very Christian. And I don't think, I think that should be a private affair, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, so, so. Rather than have these strong opinions and labels, I, I, I like discussing, I like saying, we have a problem. How do we solve this problem? But where, where then, for those of us, and it sounds like you're in that group with me, where, where since the majority, and I think the majority mm. of us lie somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. why we do, do we let the extremes bully us 
right? It's always been that way, and, and, and the answer to that question is probably a deeper question, which is probably because of the way campaigns are financed. Now you're getting into campaign finance reform, which is way too boring for a podcast, but it's only the most important thing we face. I mean, frankly, if you really want to get into it, the, 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 the real truth is that um, if you actually care about where this country is headed, we should all have a strong point of view on how campaigns are financed. A hundred percent. And it takes some investigation and a lot of work. Republic Lost by Lawrence Lessig is a good place to start with that, his book. So you see now, very well read. Yeah. Let me hop on two things that made me think of. You may, First, you mentioned Trump. Yeah. And second, I want to get to, it kind of went off in how we're a soundbite society. Like that is yeah. basically how people win or lose now. Yeah. Right? I would even say when you look at Trump, what's interesting to me isn't the fact that he's winning. It's what is the group that has not felt serviced Maybe. in this country that are so vocal? Like that's, that's a good, that's a good question. That's my question is, okay. Yeah. So clearly there's a big group yeah. that has been silent and not serviced yeah. apparently for yes. years. Yes. Who are they? So, and how do we reach them Outside of Trump. I love that question because what you're really saying is, and, and is, see, there's a tendency to say it's just a bunch of white working class males who are voting for Trump. They're dummies. Well, no, they're not dummies. Uh, I don't like Trump, but he, the people that are voting for him are not dummies. I agree. They, a lot of them have a strong point of view and, and are not dumb. They're angry. They're afraid. They, they need, they feel uh, voiceless. And so along comes loudmouth who's basically the campaign of impulses. Uh, that's not my quote. Um, and uh, he comes along, and he's an insult machine and, and all about impulse, and, I, and he comes up with these ridiculous things to say, which we would never be able to even Im implement uh, legally. No. Build a wall around Mexico. Sounds great, Donald. Thanks so much for solving that nuanced <laughs> problem. And, and, and let's not let any Muslims in. I guess we won't let Malaysians, because Malaysians and Indonesians are exactly yeah. like Saudi Arabians yeah. and Pakistanis. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's just a, he's just a firebrand, and, but it's and just, it's we've always had him in American politics. But, but I... I think it's important to say, yes, the people in Iowa and the guys you may not know who are farmers or whoever they are have a strong point of view and support Trump. They're not dummies. They are. They have needs that are not being met. Let's figure out what they are and let's have a discussion. That's my point. Yeah. And so my point is with social media, because we're soundbite, let's take what's happening with Peyton Manning right now as an example. Yeah. For some reason, we've decided that it's okay to print something if we're not sure it's true. Yeah. Which is to me dangerous, and I and I've also we were also obviously look everybody needs ratings CNN needs ratings so everybody has an opinion I don't want my news with a personally for me yeah. I don't want my news with opinion I want my news with facts objective facts yeah. yeah but you take what's happening with Peyton, Peyton Manning right now the court of public opinion is more important than facts and always it, has been right yeah but right now the court of public opinion is this yeah sudden. Right. Look, to me, Twitter is is our generation's Salem witch mob. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're basically it's it's an angry mob and that angry mob rallies. Yeah. And the best example I always give is that you remember that woman a couple years ago on Twitter who got it before she was getting on a plane to Africa. She sent out a tweet that said, I'm going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Who am I kidding? I'm white. Yes. OK. Yes. Now, as a comic. I, I thought it, I think it's funny. I thought it was a good joke. Yeah. And you know what it was? It wasn't racist. It was pointing out the fact that black people do not have the equal 
Yeah. Are not on equal ground. Everybody, though. It was all white people who rushed. Liberal white people <laughs> oh, from, from the Northeast. My you know, our college campuses in the Northeast, like places like Williams and Amherst and stuff, are, are um, just as bad. It's, it, when they but killed, it's the opposite bad. They, they killed a woman in Afghanistan, and I watched the video. It's very hard to watch. Uh, she, she was rumored to have burned a Quran, 27-year-old woman. She was actually not. She was, she was calling out some guys for selling uh, condoms and Viagra, and then this fortune teller, quote-unquote, said she burned a Quran, started a rumor. They, they, they beat her with stones. She was so bloody that they couldn't even burn her clothing. They lit her on fire. They're, they're just awful. That mob mentality, everybody wanted to prove how Muslim they were, how much they loved Islam, that they wanted to kill the heretic with their own stones. Right. And everybody had to get in there with their own stone. This is, a, let me prove how much I, you know. Well, we all go, oh my God, that's so horrible. Boy, I, I tell you what I saw. I saw human beings, and I see that. I, I'm sorry to say it. It's very, very, it's very, um, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to say, but the same mindset exists in our liberal college 100%. campuses. They, we are so intolerant. One person says one quote-unquote offensive thing to about a woman or a black person or a white person, and uh, they teach yoga, and that's, that's offending sensibilities, and we want their jobs. They want their jobs, and I, I, I can't stand Can it. Can I tell you something? This mm -hmm. was, we were going to a Christmas party, and it was one of those, you know, things where it's a white elephant, so you buy a gift for under 20 bucks, you put on, and you pick a number, and everyone gets up, right? So I had brought, uh, we brought our gift, but somebody brought, um, a sh a tumbler where you drop a shot glass into, and it you know it's like a sake bomb, but it is built in, right? And they were gonna, so the host goes, "Hey, you can't put that in under the tree." And it was I won't say which member of my family was like, "Why not?" And they said, "Well, what if somebody's an alcoholic?" And he was like, "Okay." They said, "What if somebody's a recovering alcoholic? You might offend them with that gift." Yeah. And I stepped in. And I go, "Hey." Fuck you. Fuck you is right. If that glass offends yeah. a recovering yeah. out, then they shouldn't come out of the house. Exactly. Go fuck yourself. That's, you know what? If you're a recovering alcoholic, it's part of what you deal with. Yes. That's all. But go and fuck okay. you. But yeah. here's the deal. Like, Look, in, in university, it was a, I can't remember what the university was in Canada. Uh, a woman was teaching, I guess, dis, uh, uh, people with disabilities yoga. Yeah. And somebody complained that it was offensive to teach yoga because it was... Uh, it didn't belong to us whites, and it was blah, blah, blah. Oh and they God. canceled the program. So this is uh, some neurotic, there are some neurotic students who are- um, The Oberlin one is the worst. They're the, yeah, they're you the- You saw that they said yes. the cafeteria was racist, right? Yes. They're the loudest, they're the loudest voices. Yeah. They're lunatics. They're not real. They don't, they don't think for themselves. They're in for a very rude awakening. It's like Christine Summers, who did Joe Rogan's podcast and wrote a book called The War on Boys. Um, and she said- uh, these people are, who are studying, who are majoring in gender studies, yeah. good luck getting a job. Good Why? luck. Listen, good luck. And fuck fucking gender studies. Oh, he, boy, she? I'm so you can't glad. can't say he, she anymore? No, there, there are different pronouns now. Um, but, you know, good luck. Good luck with getting a job. I know you're so sensitive. It's great that you're studying these things. And I guess the only, only avenue is is to be an academic at the same institution and regurgitate the same ideas that bear no relevance to the outside world. But here's the thing that gets me is those people who are so anti-everything that could be offensive uh -huh. also do not allow people who have an opposite point of view to feel safe to have their point look, of view. Look, look, listen. That's the crazy thing, you and right? I, You and I are, like, I, I have never, and I'm telling you even as a kid, I never thought anybody should be ostracized. No. I, 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 I'm telling you, uh, my nature, if I see, I've always felt for 
men who felt like women. I remember seeing it as a kid. I, I saw a drag queen when I was, I think, 11, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he was in Switzerland, and I could tell. And I remember um, feeling badly for him. I, I wanted him to be protected. I'm the guy, I'm just saying Brian Callen, I yep. know you're the same way. I would never in a fucking million years uh, make anybody feel human. I don't tell gay jokes or anti-gay jokes. I never have. No. I never. I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. I. I. I've never been. I'm not a prejudiced person. Maybe because of the way I grew up. Uh, maybe it's because of my nature. Um, whatever the case, I never want to hurt anybody's feelings. And God, I don't want to humiliate anybody. And um, for whatever reason, I've always been able to empath- empathize with those that are on the outside. Yeah. Maybe not so much, but I certainly can. And so I'd be the first one to protect them. But having said that, these lunatics on the <laughs> side, like, well, I'm allowed to think that that Caitlyn Jenner, who I knew as Bruce Jenner for 60, 65 of his years, yeah. my, my whole life, I'm allowed to be disturbed by that, be confused by that, be surprised by that, even be kind of like put off by it because everybody is celebrating it like she's so beautiful and isn't it amazing and she's an incredible woman. Uh, don't cram, don't cram your new acceptance down my throat. Give me a minute. I get, to, I get to fucking pause. Well, here's and my- go, holy fucking shit. And it doesn't make me a bigot. It doesn't make me a bad person. And it doesn't mean I don't want him or her to be who he, they really are. He, he don't mind. But don't. They're pointing their guns at the wrong people. I agree. And you know what my thing is, and and, and I'm this. Bring, brings myself to you. Keep looking at that bullet. You're welcome. I don't yourself. drink. I don't. I can't drink uh, spirits. Isn't that fun? Um, I love them. I just like the way it looks. I like those old bottles. Oh, anyway. look, the, the old phonograph. My, my left. Yeah, my I like everything you got here. So um, keep, keep. So here's my thing. Like, I I was all for her making the change and good for her. And you, if you looked at her over the years, you were like, oh, it's coming. Like yeah. I don't know, right? What I hated was look. Don't stop telling me how beautiful she is. You know what she looks like. Any 65-year-old dude who puts on a dress, sure, that's what they look like. But listen, I, that was the thing. Someone said, isn't she beautiful? And I was like, I'm happy for her. I'm super glad that she's living the life she wants to live. Let's slow down with beautiful. Yeah, she's not. She's not beautiful. And I'm allowed to say that. I'm certainly, if you want to be, listen, if you're now. Beautiful? What are you talking about? No. (laughs) No, You're lying to yourself. No, no, no. And to me. Of course she's not beautiful. Don't say she's beautiful. You're lying. You're all lying. No, she's not beautiful. And that's the thing. Like, that kind of stuff. I mean, they did a good job with all the the, the plastic surgery. I think it was 12 hours of surgery. I don't know what it was, but I mean, they did a good job. She's looking good, but. Better? Yeah. I mean, the hormones, whatever it is, I, you know, it's fine, but it's not, not my type. No. no. You ever curious though, what one of those man-made vaginas feels like? Um, I had no, somebody who fucked one and? recently and recently. Yeah. And then did, did wasn't even sure, in? wasn't even sure afterwards, but is now like, I think. I think and I fucked the, the tranny. He card? goes, bro, I think I fucked the tranny. I know tranny is like Not supposed the to wrong thing to right, say, right. but that's what he said. What did uh, he say? What, did, what was the... Uh... I, I said, I think that you did it on purpose, and that's okay. And I still <laughs> do. And I still do. I don't we, care. We had a, we had, we've had this discussion before I've had it with my brothers where, you know, we, about ladyboys in Thailand. And I'm like, look, here at the end of the day, smooth face. Yeah. You're not seeing a penis. Dude, you know, I was in blow Thailand. Blowjob is a blowjob. When I was doing Hangover 2, I was in Thailand, and I was with some of the cast, and I, I'm telling you, those lady boys, if you had sex with one of those lady boys, you're not gay. That is, <laughs> they're as hot, 
They're as hot as anybody I've, I've ever seen. <laughs> well, you know what? It's a fact. Did you read about the, the article? Because I'm not homophobic in the least. Did you read about the article about the guy who was having a threesome with his buddy? i got to bring it up. The quote is hilarious. Having a threesome with his buddy, but they touched balls, so he killed his friend. What? So the quote, the quote from the article, Brian, the quote he from the article He killed his friend? He had to murder him. This is, what, this is the quote from the article. Oh, we were going Jesus out. Christ. We were switching from ass to mouth, from butt to mouth, and he went left when he was supposed to go right, and next thing I know, we ball to ball. So he, <laughs> we ball to ball. This, this is a homicidal maniac who is looking for any excuse to kill a human being. First of all, that's what he is. I've never been a fan of like the two guys and one girl because yeah. I'm assuming I'm having sex and that the other guy is a buddy of mine. Yeah. And I'd, I'd start to laugh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like for yeah. me, it's it, it all of a sudden turns into a funny situation. Well, you see your buddy dead serious, just yeah. just going to town, and, and I'd dead, I'd yeah. want to start doing bits. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets, yeah. Oh, all right, here we go. Yeah. yeah. But so, touch ball to ball, and I, that's next thing I know, we ball to ball. I mean, and he killed the guy. He killed him. He murdered him. He shot him. Or he he's happy to discuss it. He's and, and listen to him justified. He's in jail now. Oh yeah. Just a black just, fella? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how I put that together because you were like, we balled a ball. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a this is a homicidal maniac who needed any excuse. I mean, and he you, brushed scrotums and decided he had to kill him. So this is a this is a guy who was looking to kill this if guy. If you balled a ball with your buddy of yours, you're not killing him. No, I'm not. No, it's a good story. It's, it's a, a funny story. thing. The next time the two of you are at a party, you're like, you want to tell him the nut to nut story? I mean, they, 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 yeah, this guy couldn't be dumber. <laughs> he's, he's It's pretty amazing. But here's where we go back. I, I I got off track a little bit about uh, the 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 mob and and uh, the Twitter mob. Okay, recently something happened to me. I want to know what your opinion. Uh, you know, have you read an article? There's an article out there about how you know on Twitter when when women say. And by the way, I understand that social media is harder for women than it is for men. I, I don't think there's any doubt. I get a lot of advances on Twitter in 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 um um autograph lines. Women squeeze my ass, or they say I'm going to squeeze your ass, and. People always say to me, well, why don't you say it's the same for you as it is for women? It isn't because I don't fear what's happening exactly. to me. There's no they can't ch- rape you. There's no chance. I'm bigger, right. stronger. They're not going to. Yeah. So that's why I think it's completely different. Of course, and it's for different. anyone to say that it's the same for men and women online. Is, dummies. Is you're, dummies. You're a dummy. You're a dummy. So it's not the same. Yeah. However, you know, there's been a there was an article about why when men reply to tweets about, well, not all men, well, not all men, that it's dangerous. And I just don't. I don't understand how, like as a man who isn't one of those predators, and I would consider myself a feminist. If you looked at the definition of feminism. Yeah, I am too. Right. I, mean, I just believe in fair play and meritocracy. I don't know if I can. Across the fucking know, women, board. Women, men, and women are very different, but I don't, I'm not going to keep a woman down because she's a fucking dumb. No. This is dumb. I'm it's not dumb. a fucking right. idiot. Okay. I, you know. So there's an article about how when men respond, not all men. And I don't know why. Like, look, I'm not going to stand up for... Look, white guys have had it good in this country for a long time and still continue to. We, yeah. We, if you're born a white dude, you got a leg up. Yeah, I always say I was born on third and told to run home. <laughs> I'm a white American male in 2015 <laughs> who gets paid to make people laugh. Yeah, yeah, Pick yeah. Pick up yeah. a newspaper. Pretty good. I won, right. I won the historical lottery. <laughs> yeah. You you're know. doing pretty well. Yeah. And plus, you got a great body. And a great face. Um, and a yeah. dick on me. Keep going. Okay. Uh, but so, I got scared to reply. To a friend of mine, because I knew I was like, oh, the Twitter mob is going to come. 
But why is, do you think it's different? Because if I sent out a tweet that said black guys or Mexicans or women, I'd get a shit ton of things to say, not all black, not all Mexican, not all women. Why is it different for me to come back and say not all men? Am I, am I, I was like, what is it about me? Am I missing out on why this is I wouldn't even enter the, uh, enter the fray. uh -uh. I wouldn't even enter the fray because it doesn't matter. I mean, you're, you're talking about fair play now and you're talking about hypocrisy. And I think that, uh, first of all, the people that would respond or get engaged in that are not, they're just not that relevant. Right. And, and, and frankly, I don't think they're very intelligent. And frankly, I think that they're cowards. I think that these people that are standing up for every little infraction are um, a bit cowardly. They're not, they're not, they don't care really about As equality they care about power they they have a chip on their shoulder and they're way more interested in scrapping and doing it in a cowardly manner um they're not really this does allow you to around. have power but be a coward i'm touching my computer yeah, by the way you hide behind it it. you're in a that. student group yeah. you know you you write a letter you organize a whole you know a a, a movement against uh you know something or other i mean i you know i think there are movements that matter i think if i was black and i i had experiences see black men probably have a very different experience with cops than 100%. i do and i'm never going to say i know what it's like to be a black guy there's fucking no way and i'm sure i would be um frustrated and i'm sure i would have a very different point of view on black lives matter for example or whatever so i stay way out of that stuff man yeah. i don't like getting involved in stuff i don't understand I don't understand what it's like to be a black man, but, but I do know it's a lot tougher, generally, and I don't care what anybody says, and look at the history of this country. It's a lot harder, and 100%. has been a lot harder, and more humiliating, yep. and a thousand other things than it is to be white. And anybody who says otherwise should pick up a fucking history book. You know, um, so I, I, I just, I stay out of that, man. If anything, I will... You know, I'll tell you something. I, I, I always, I laugh at this, but I secretly root for black people. And I'm not, it's not because I'm a liberal and not because I like black people more. I just believe in fair play. And, I, and I, if you pick up, if you read this history, it's been so hard to be black. Oh, it just has, on. and I just like when they win. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I fucking like when they win. And I'm not a liberal, man. I'm not some left-wing liberal. I just like when they win. I just you like seeing like a young black a uh, guy who's kicking ass and setting a good example and he's got money and he's and he's uh, and you know and he's talented like there are a lot of people like that that you but just you're, go fuck man. you're somewhere where I would hope and I feel like I'm the same way where th our group think would get a little louder like you are a hunter yes yeah okay so you in a lot of ways not a hunter but I hunt but you hunt right yeah. but you own a gun yeah Two guns. And so in a lot of ways, right? So our li my liberal friends think I'm Republican and my conservative friends think <laughs> I'm Democrat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where is where is that? Libertarian. Why, right. So why, Libertarian. why why can't we be louder and stronger? We've already won, partially. Where? How do we? Just, just because, they, you know, as again, white males. Yeah. Uh, the system is already bucked in our favor <laughs> so you know i guess i could stand up and go and another thing about being me and then you're you know, like actually i get it pretty good i'm gonna stay yeah, quiet we're pretty well represented if you look at the candidates in this field yeah. we're pretty well represented um 
And uh, uh, so, so in a, in a sense, we we've won and have been winning for a long time. Yeah. There's not a whole lot to buck against. If anything, again, it's like guys like you and I will root for the people that don't have a voice, and we secretly like when we see a black guy doing well. Like I do. I just like seeing. Me too. I love when I see like a black doctor. I was down in uh, uh, Atlanta, and I see like just like these black professionals, cigars in their mouths with fucking suits, and they got money, and they roll up in a Benz, and they're doctors, they're psychiatrists, they're fucking lawyers. I love that shit. It makes me feel good about it's the world. Buckhead. I'm like, I'm just talking about justice. I'm yeah. like, because I, I, there's nothing more tragic than wasted potential. Yeah. The drug war has decimated a lot of the black community. Well, I think also for me, listen, I, the one thing that scares me about watching all these debates is that the, the thing to me that's the most important they don't talk about enough education like i don't understand how we can have all these debates culture but you get back to education man yeah. education at the, at education, the root of education has to be held in high regard by your culture agreed and there are cultures in this country that don't hold um education to a premium it's uh, the most nobody wants to talk about that but it's the most important thing yeah it's all right I do want to talk about you for a little bit. Yeah. I know you don't seem I'm not like, that important, but, but yeah. you're, I, but you, who you are, like you seem to have a thirst for knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? My father and also growing up all over the world until I was 14 and realizing that I was, um, privileged in places like India, in Yemen, in Saudi Arabia. Tell people why you traveled around. My father was a banker. Mm -hmm. And seeing um, and being behind uh, in a car, a chauffeur-driven car, and watching children come who are my age come to your window starving and begging in Africa, like in Kenya. When I gave uh, uh, these people my box lunch and they ripped it apart trying to get to it, they were so hungry. I remember that very well. How old were I was from the age of zero to 14. And I came to boarding school. But I was always safe. I was American. Mm -hmm. I had plenty to eat. I was clean. I had parents that loved me. And I, at a very early age, asked, why am I so lucky? What, what is it about these countries that do doesn't work? And um, that stuff is... Answered those questions, by the way, are answered in two good books that have different points of view: Guns, Germs, and Steel. By um, I think they're both Pulitzer Prize-winning books, but one is Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond, must-reading for everybody listening to this, and Why Nations Fail by Darren Asimoglu and another professor from Harvard. Great books, and take a diametrically different point of view on why that happens. But mainly, I believe. I, I'll tell you what it is. I always felt like I owed it to the people who suffer to at least you know, were given the opportunity to know why. And and the reason I want to know why is I guess I want to load up on I want the ammunition to fight people that want to make the situation worse, and I want to know how to make it better. The, the, I, I believe not to. This is going to sound like I'm patting my part, and I don't mean to do this, but. I think that my thirst for knowledge comes from my compassion. I care about the world, and I want the world and the problems in the world to be fixed. And I don't know how to do it. There's nothing more frustrating to me. Right. But at least I can suffer a little. At least I can lose some sleep about what happens to people in Goma in the Congo. Or, or you know, at least I have an idea of what the political situation is in Nigeria. A 
and I can have a conversation with a cab driver and say, hey, listen, you matter. I care. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. That and do you when you gather this knowledge, when you gather this information, you keep it for you? I don't know. I talk about it a little bit. It's frustrating. I can't find enough avenues, and frankly, I don't think I am articulate enough. Are you very articulate? I, know, I don't know if I know enough to necessarily make enough of a difference, but at least I can say, "Hey, everybody, it may not seem like your problem, but you know." I I will tell you that I doubt ISIS would have come about without um, our brilliant decision to invade Iraq. There's no doubt. And and you had you had people like George W. and his neocon friends like Richard Pearl and Paul Wolfowitz and and uh, William Crystal and all, all these guys. I know the people you know that were the architects of this. At least the intellectual uh, that created the intellectual scaffolding for this. And they, in my opinion, didn't understand the history of the Middle East well enough. But their hubris in believing they could restructure the Middle East yep. is what led to this mess. And I don't know how many countless lives lost. Um, I don't know if history will prove me right or wrong, but. I think it's important to know that stuff so that we don't make the same mistake. Agreed. Do you feel like, and, and this is one of the things that I, I was kind of getting at earlier, you know, my who am I on stage is silly and kind of dumb. and Because anytime as a comedian you have a point of view, people are like, it's almost like they don't want to hear that from their comedians. Yeah. I'm, look, do you, do you, yes. you know what I mean? Look, like they don't want to hear that from again, us. It's like they're, they're compartmentalizing who they're allowed to hear certain information from. Yeah. I mean, I, exactly. For me, I, look, I have a, I'm pretty funny, okay? I don't care yeah. what anybody says. I'm pretty good at comedy. Yeah. And, you know, they come, they come to my show and pay lots of money and get a babysitter and everything else, and they want to laugh hard for an hour yeah. and 10 minutes. I give them that. I get it. You do more than an hour. I get it. Thank you. <laughs> for an hour. You want to, you want to, I, and they want to laugh. They want to laugh for an hour and 44 minutes. I'm going to give them the hour and 44. If they want two hours, I got that too. The bottom line is I got a big bag of tricks. I got a lot of, I got a lot of comedy gold in my quiver. The yeah. point you need to understand is that they don't want to be lectured on fucking no. why nations fail and why guns, germs, and steel is an important book. But, but I, I can, uh, at least my humanity, I think, and how I, how much I care about people. You know what I love? about comedy it brings everybody together i agree with that they all laugh you know what people ask me what the, what they think the hardest part of stand-up is and i would tell you the hardest part isn't now when the people who are in that room came to see you mm -hmm. the hardest part is when you're in a room full of people who maybe the room's been papered and so you got 400 people in there who aren't there to see you yeah they have different likes and dislikes and you're gonna get They've had different days. They've had different experiences. Some are in bad moods. Some are in good moods. Yeah. They come from different backgrounds. And you get 400 people who don't know each other to laugh at the same thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To me. Those are those universal questions. Yes. Yeah. Those are the big. Like, to me, that was harder. It's easier now. I always feel like you have the, the audiences that are there to see you. You have 10 or 15 minutes to be bad up front. Yeah. They're, they will forgive you that. I don't know what that's like. I, I don't do bad <laughs> material, but I know what you're saying. Let me ask you something. You know what has been amazing to me is that, look, you've always had a certain energy around you. You still have the energy, but you seem way calmer now. I'm, just, I'm 48. It's just, uh, you know, I think it's just being older. Do you feel calmer? No. Uh, um, I, I, uh, I get, I'm more afraid now. I get more afraid and more... Um, 
I get so negative about like I hear these things like these cartels and what they do to people mm-hmm. in, in Mexico and stuff and I just uh, you know when I when they, there's so many problems that I feel like I have no power to fix or solve and it drives me crazy but why don't you and this is what I have really tried to do by the way one of the reasons that I do this podcast is because I've, I'm at a strange crossroads where I've never felt more confident with who I am mm-hmm. and lost at the same time mm. does that make sense not a bad thing I what? think remember what Socrates said, right? Socrates said that the, many people consider the wisest man of all. And he said at the end of his life, essentially, I am the wisest of all men because I essentially know that I know nothing. You know, this yeah. is a guy who had all the answers and would prove it with math. I mean, you know, if you read the symposium and the dialogues, and, and he was a guy who um, at the end of his, you know, at the end of the day said, uh, you know, really, I don't know anything. <laughs> wow. By, you by know. the way, I know I told you guys I knew everything. Yeah. Turns out I don't yeah. know anything. Maybe he was being falsely modest because I think he did know everything. Maybe he was just trying to fuck with people. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like, there's this dude who everybody thinks is the smartest guy in the world, and the last thing he says before he dies is, "I was just kidding." Yeah. What? Yeah. What the fuck? Well, when he was dying, you know, his his, his uh, disciples were all crying, and he was going to die, and he said, "If I taught you guys nothing." I, I, you're, you're mourning my physical, the physical machine that yeah. harbors my soul. My soul is going on, but my, don't, what are you crying about? This? I, this is just, this is just shitty machinery. It's kind of a cool way to. <laughs> I won't be that brave. No. Well, no, no. I mean, yeah. It's Socrates, Socrates was the bulldozer. Socrates yeah. was, was, uh, if you read him, he, he was uh, so, as you read him as a, as a young man and as and, and any man, you realize, oh my God, the responsibility of being a real human being is never goes away. I don't care if it was 3,500 years ago or yeah. now in terms of the fact that he essentially, um, would show you me and you immediately we live on a house of glass we're just living in a house of cards we have no foundation for yes. how we live we're just going by instinct feel uh what we were told and we don't really question things and he would say well why are you doing this but ha- having said that you and i and many of us probably listening uh are direct directly benef- direct beneficiaries of the thinking both he Plato and Aristotle did. Yeah. You know, when you read a lot of it now, you go, yeah, that's how I feel. Well, that's because our system of government and our vocabulary and everything is based on a lot of that. I, you know what's interesting is that, did you read uh, Going Clear? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know what I took away from that yeah. was, and that they didn't show in the documentary, was that if you took the religion out of it, before he got greedy, mm-hmm. and just, if he had come out as the first Tony Robbins, as mm-hmm. the first self-help guy, mm-hmm. A lot of that shit makes sense. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. I was reading a lot of it. Like that makes sense yeah. to me. That complete makes yeah. complete sense. It's when he went to the religion and he got a little greedy with his money. Yeah, that's when the kind of the loopier alien volcano shit came up. But his principles. Yeah, he, I have to tell I you. I think he. I think he probably went crazy. He lost his mind in the end. From what I from the book. Syphilis. Uh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. So he 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 seemed like he was crazy anyway. And then um. And then you had David Miscavige, who I've never met him. I don't know anything about him, but from the according to the book, seems like a he seems like a, he seems like he a real what, sociopath. If he walked out right yeah. Now. Well, I'd be, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, you know, we'd have to fight. He's five four. We got him. Yeah, he's yeah. he's tough though. He's very strong. But uh, you know, I I uh, it's not a very flattering portrait of David Miscavige. That guy's that book. Uh, um, no, no, yeah. he seems like a sociopath. Yes, yeah. But having said that, you know. Um, 
making fun of Scientology has never been my thing because, like you said, I'm sure there are, and I know, I know plenty of Scientologists because I, I went to acting yeah. class with them. My acting class was featured in the book. I spent 10 years in that acting class with Milton Gonzalez. But the, 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 uh, if you're going to make fun of Scientology, you've got to make fun of all the other religions too. And a lot more bloodshed has been committed by the other religions and in the name of those other religions than, than in Scientology. So I think, we should all be a little careful. Yes, I think what, what baffles me is that I know, as you do, many smart people. Mm-hmm. And then some of those things where I'm like, how, how do you believe that? Like, that's where, it, like, it's not, like, you can believe what you want to believe. Yeah. But some of the people... You know the Mormons after Scientology came along were like, phew, yeah, <laughs> Whew, that yeah. snake doesn't seem so weird anymore, does right. it? Yeah, right. this underwear that but, seems but, all right. But you know, so much of religion is not even about the faith. It's it's you know the it's metaphor. And I I think um, a lot of Scientologists and and Muslims and Jews and Christians, they identify as these religions because there are two ways to define and I'm going to I'm going to quote Reza Aslan here uh, loosely Go, just google it yeah it, it it's 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 not you know there the are two ways when you say you're a muslim or you say you're a christian there are practices and beliefs that define you but then there's another way to define it which is just that you identify with a cultural sort of glue mm-hmm. that a lot of your people have come up in it's a tradition there are churches that maybe you go once a year uh you celebrate christmas does it make you a die hard uh you know literalist when it comes to the bible a christian no and I, th- and I promise you, I promise you, most Muslims are the same way. I know but, from living in that part of the world. By the way, most of people. most religions. Most like people. Most people. Yeah. Like the, I, what I've always said, the beautiful thing about religion is it gives people a sense of belonging. And a sense and of inspiration com- to do community. good things. Yeah, like, so it, it, when you, anything gets hijacked by extremism, yeah. you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you don't do any of this stuff in your stand-up. How has your stand-up changed... Family. You, as you've gotten older, about my you, kids. are you talking about your kids? Wife, um, struggles, and so it, it's you know we've had it's almost opposite for me. I don't because my kids are older. You know, for a long time, all my set was all about kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting for me to have almost attacked life in an opposite way than most people that I know in this town. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know. It actually, look, I've always said that the hardest things in your life when you're going through them are terrible. Looking back, it's, sh- you know, they shape you yeah. into who you are. Yeah. Excuse me. So living in one bedroom with three kids on $1,000 a month at the time was terrible. It's amazing. Looking back, it really was the best thing that has happened to me. Can you think of a time like that for you that was really fl- mentally, for whatever reason, yeah, just I was temping. I was temping at 26 years old or whatever at Goldman Sachs and I was running coffee and making copies and I wanted to be an actor and I would be in a suit and tie and I'd be in the summertime on a subway as I was looking at the sweat gathering on my arm and I was a rolled up sleeve and I was on the subway and I had been there. It was eight o'clock at night and I had to be there late doing some bullshit Mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, I don't think I'm ever going to be a success. I think I've failed. I think I went to acting school and now I'm uh, I'm trying to get jobs. I think I had tried to get, and I called my agent and said, hey, I hear they're looking for Robin in the new Batman movie. And my agent said, yeah, that's going to Mark Wahlberg or to uh, Colin, uh, Chris. Uh, fucking Chris McDonald, yeah. whatever it was. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, thanks, man. Like, he was so, he was just like, yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, 
shithead. <laughs> it's not going to you for a thousand reasons. And then Listen, I really, if remember the first two thousand people bow out. Yeah. You're in. I remember looking at myself in the mirror, and then I saw myself <laughs> on camera. I was like, oh, I don't look good at all. I mean, it was just all, I was doomed to fail. So uh, stand-up was what kind of changed everything, got me mad TV and all that. But, you know, I've had plenty of those. I've had plenty of downtime. I've had plenty of uh, moments where I feel like I really, I still feel like I've failed. But you, you in, in, in the common theme with a lot of people on my podcast is what I respect about you is that you are in constant hustle mode. Yeah. Constant hustle mode. Yeah, that's what I do. Yes, you are, you are in constant. So for me, like, what is it? Is it the same drive that your quest, your thirst for knowledge? Is it the same reason? Or what is it no. that drives you? No, see, when you say hustle mode, for me, um, like, I, I love the process of discovery. I think writing, for example, is I'm, I'm at a standstill right now, and I know I'm going to have a day if I keep showing up where something's going to show itself to me. Explain to me showing up. Like so so, uh, so I, I, I've quoted this and I'll, uh, a million times, but I'll say it a million one. Um, I'll give you a couple examples. Flannery O'Connor and a lot of, and Stephen Pressfield in his book, The War, War of Art, uh, or The War for Art, um, and Going Pro, I think, is another book. I read both his books. And, and uh, But Flannery O'Connor, the great, the great writer who died of MS at 39, a woman in the 30s. And she uh, said, I, I sit at my typewriter every morning at 5.30 not to write, but in case something happens. It's always an act of faith. Yeah. And just keep showing up, man. Keep showing up. You know, I've talked to Fiona Apple. I've talked to Bruce Springsteen about this, um, where I said, how do you write songs? And they're like, you know, you start with a metaphor and you keep showing up and yeah. it kind of reveals itself to you. The idea being that the song already exists. It's just up to you to keep showing up. Have you ever I been love to those the, expressions. You ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No. Okay. So at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Where is have, it? It's in Cleveland. I have, yeah. So they have... Yeah, I, I say that because I I knew I had been. And they, I was like, you were like, what comedy club? I did stand up in Cleveland. Hilarities. I think I went there. Yeah. Yes, that's and how so I, that's why, and that's why I, w I was like, no. Then I was like, yeah, I did because I had nothing to do, and I went there. You know what's funny is people say, have you ever been to this city? I'm like, what comedy clubs there? And they'll tell me, <laughs> I go, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I was with my son, and we were looking at these handwritten notes of Beatles lyrics, Springsteen lyrics, Stones lyrics, wow. and. I started to tear up and yeah. he was like, why? What? Basically, he said, what the fuck is wrong with you? Get it together. Yeah. But I said, he said, why is that affecting you like that? I said, it's amazing to me that John Lennon's process w was the like same yours. as mine. Yeah. Was yeah. the same as mine. I know. So, I know. It, it, so what's the difference? Effort? Hours? I don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Are you saying I'm not John Lennon? I've always considered you the John Lennon of comedy. <laughs> good, good, good. You know? Yeah, but that was... To my Paul McCartney. What? Oh, yeah, I'm a maybe I am a little darker. Yeah. Um, I I was so inspired by that to know that the process has never changed. No. It's a dude in his room, maybe with a joint or water or whatever. Yeah. Every comic every comic I, I talk to, Jeff Ross or Bill Burr, and the, the process doesn't get easier. I will tell you something, by the way, about Burr, and um, this is something I've been wrestling with, and I don't know if you've ever wrestled with this before. Mm -hmm. It has taken me a while. I know what I do well mm -hmm. on stage. I also kind of know what I wish I did well. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I look at Burr and Louis C.K. and Rogan, the way they attack a joke, and they really, they can take a premise. who they are, though. Yes, it's not I, who you are. No, but it's taken me a little while to go, look, you see that guitar? Yeah. One of the reasons that I pushed out of bringing a guitar, and I bring it on stage for the middle of my act now. Be you know why? 
It's fun. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. Yeah. But it took me so long to have the balls to go get one and do it because what is my instinct that other comics are going to say? You fucking play. Oh. You fucking playing guitar, bro. Yeah, not me. I'll punch him in the face. But you know what I mean. Like, I, so, I, I, I'm not intimidated by any comics like that. That's my problem. Is that like Louis C.K., uh, uh, Bill Burr. I, I, I like Bill very much. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't. Um, I'm not intimidated by any of those guys because I, I do my own thing. I never think of it as a competition. No, me neither. And, and, and me also, neither. Um, also though. Um, but when did you settle into your who am I on stage? I don't know. I never. Ha I mean, maybe I have. Maybe you I, fucking. But as have a guy, sure. as a guy, I'm always like, I, I just try to be as original as I can, and I only write what I think is funny. Yep. And uh, I, I, I do well. You know, people seem to like me. But you know, nobody's gonna tell me or intimidate me, especially a comic, because you know, I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> Tell me. I mean, tell I'm being a little bit macho. Now, right? but, <laughs> but, but you've taken your shirt I'm off, so that's the I'm craziest kinda, part. Yeah, and, and my pants. And so, you know, I'm naked. I don't know. Well, I mean, um, what, what is, can you think of for you the last time you wrote a joke in your house, you were like, this is going to fucking kill. And you get on stage and you're like, just crickets. The word, that happened to me recently where yeah. I told this big long story that I, th I was like, oh, this ending. Because it was real and it was a natural callback. Yeah. It was going to be, I was going to be have to drop the mic and just dab my head with a towel and take a sip while people were clapping and yeah, laughing. Yeah, Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. In my head. So I You might have been aiming though. <laughs> I think I was. Yeah. As I got to the end, I was like, oh, this is going to be huge. Yeah, yeah. And I said it and it was like, click. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking, the jokes leading up to the, in the story, huge. The ending that I thought was going to be a, <sighs> Yeah. Like, you should be on HBO right now. <laughs> yeah. That did not happen. Yeah. I For me, um, I do things if that, like I've been doing things, some of the things that, that kind of scare me because I'm not sure how they're going to come off. And when I do something that scares me, it, it usually has the reaction I'm looking for. I'm, I'm afraid of it, but I commit to it. And it, and it and you think it comes you commit more when you're scared? I don't know. Maybe. I think I do. When I'm not sure of something. I like doing things I'm afraid of anyway. Like, that's why I box. And I try to spar. I hate sparring because I'm. I, I, it's not like wrestling and jujitsu. That's way easier to roll. Boxing with like guys who can hit. You get hit in the head, and it really hurts. And mm -hmm. I'm not good enough to not get hit in the head. And I'm not good enough to do much. So when I do it um, with guys who are, and you spar usually with a pro or something, dude, they can touch you and it hurts. And um, it's I, a I different level, it. isn't I, it? Yeah, oh, dude. I yeah, yeah. Like the guy who thinks he's a good street fighter. If he fights a boxer, he's going to sleep. How many punches? Two. Those guys can set you up. They they can do. It, What's it's, their precision like with a punch? Do you know what I mean? They like, can break your jaw. They, uh, the first thing I say to like to, to Chris Van Eerden or any of this or Wayne McCullough when I would box with them is these are world champions. I'd say, dude, just don't break my nose, don't break my jaw, please, and don't fucking drop me with a body shot. <laughs> they can do anything they want. Right. So really, they they move around with you and you get to throw shots. Yeah. And they'll they'll slip punches and you can't even hit them. And so, uh, you know, and if they wanted to open up, even a good amateur, uh, I'm talking about a 17-year-old right? amateur. No, it's a different game, man. You know, it's like, uh, why have, you ever, have, you ever, have you ever wrestled? Uh, or have you done any jiu-jitsu? So I've I, done Krav Maga. Yeah, so I, yeah, but I promise you, if you and I were on a mat, I'd do whatever I want to you, just because yeah. you've never done it. It's no big deal, but I, I, I would. It doesn't mean I'm stronger or tougher. Exactly. But you would just not know what to do right. so much, and I would be able to, and I'm not, you know, I was a wrestler, but it doesn't mean I wasn't a great fighter or anything like that. But when you deal with a boxer who's been doing it their whole life, they see everything you're doing before you do it. 
So they're so they can chunk information. So oh look, here comes his left, and he's gonna do a double jab. Well, I just I'll just slip that and just put a shot on it on the on the like the top of his jaw, and they just touch you, or maybe they just hit you in the side of the head, and you do have you headgear. Wear a, a headgear. Yeah, I headgear. I wear a fucking bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. I have no business doing this, but it scares me. And when I'm done, I it opens up a bunch of other channels. How old is your son? son? Four. Would you, if he wanted to, he was like, I want to be a boxer. Would you yeah. let him be a boxer? No. Uh, he'll definitely learn. Would you, if he said, I wanted to be a boxer, would you let him be a boxer? Yeah. I mean, probably. Um, Even after talking to Tony Jeffries. Yeah, no, no. I would, I would let him, because I don't think my son... My son looks like he's going to be athletic, but we're talking about a different. I don't think my kids are going to make their living as athletes. You're going to play I don't, football. We don't have that genetics. I don't want to let him play football. It makes me scared because I don't think, as we know more and more about concussions and things, um, and I've talked to pro football players who won't let their kids play. Yeah, I don't like it. It, it scares me. The game. I love the game, um, but I don't want my son bashing heads. It's an interesting thing. That I'll let him wrestle and do jujitsu. All day long. What, what do you think those? Because I, when I was taking Krav Maga, um, my brain worked in a different way. Is that what do you think those skills teach a kid or a person? Same like thing I, as uh, learning any new language. That's why the guitar is great. The drums are great. Anything that requires you to think in a different way, um, I think, and keeps you in a, in your out of your comfort zone is just going to. Um, what does that do? Because I I, I tell people I'm all a the huge time, believer in it. Me I'm, too. And yeah. what do you think it does for people? To work outside of their comfort zone. I think it breaks down the mystery of life. I think it breaks down sort of like, oh, God, it's not for me. I can't do that. Everything's a language. It depends on how fluent you are in that language. Mm-hmm. Um, Jiu-jitsu is a language. Boxing is a language. Guitar is a language. And I think um, I think it's very, very good to do things you're not good at because it keeps you... I, I think it probably opens up new neural pathways. Yep. I think it keeps you um, your skin thinner and you feel life more uh, people ask me all the time what the best thing about stand-up is and i say for me at this point it's a great combination of um having a parachute but not knowing if it's gonna work mm. well think about the people you admire the people you admire stayed uncomfortable the people you admire yeah. did things they they were afraid of the people that you would admire did what was considered impossible mm-hmm you know, when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, or there are a thousand examples, but... Th- th- that dude th- who it, has two dicks, they're both eight inches? I didn't know about that guy. What? He has two dicks? Come on. Two dicks, both over eight inches. Let me see. Have you not you, seen the double dick about? dude? No. What are you talking is about? Is this not true? You've not, you've never seen the double dick dude? No, but... I, I don't I'm, think it's I'm, like the double double mint twins. <laughs> He's got two dicks? He's got two dicks. Guy with two dicks. I gotta see this. Um... I can't believe this is just coming up now. You really need to get on my email chain because this was a I year won't, ago. I won't. Um, I think you sent me an email of uh, somebody defecating on someone else's face. <laughs> and I was like, well, Josh, <laughs> that sounds great. After all this deep talk. I am the guy with two penises. Do you want to see pictures or you just want to talk to him? Yeah, them? I want to see pictures, of course. Okay. Uh... Is there a safety thing on? There must be a safety thing on. Wow. Hold on. Sorry. Let me go back. I don't know why there'd be safety thing on my I am the guy with two penises. Um, my proof. Here we go. There you go. Dude with two dicks. He really does have two dicks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, he says that one is one is gay and one is straight. He says that's incredible that he actually has and not like two tiny dicks. That, no, that's that's like a dick. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it's not terrible it's not to have two of them. I got the same dick. I'm not. I'm not worried. <laughs> but uh, I wonder what happens in that situation. Well, he says he's had sex with two people at once. That's incredible, right? He said he's had sex with a man and a woman at the same time. Well, all right. I mean, did you want to look at the picture any longer, or are we good? No, we're good. Okay. It's just uh, congratulations for not being circumcised. He's got the whole thing going. I know. It's really an interesting, like, if you if I, if I you just showed me a picture of that and I glanced at it, yeah. I would be like, I don't I know. I mean, that really is. Uh, I wonder why he didn't have one removed. Would you? Yeah, I think so. Would you have it removed and add it on? Well, you know, they can transplant penises now. I heard that. So I would that. donate one to charity. Would you pick your donor? Uh, no, I mean it, a lot of soldiers. Um, it's devastating, but you know with these IEDs, uh, they lose their, you know, they lose. You their know situation. my my oldest son was, was in, in Afghanistan. Yeah, well, he was in the army. Army. Yeah, I, I I don't know how you dealt with it. I would have flipped out every fucking day. Let me tell you what it is because think about your boy, right? <sighs> so when your boy came into the world, automatically your first job in your brain was, well, I I'm keeping him safe. Yeah. That's your instinct. Yeah. For me to have him go and not be able to have any control whether he was safe or not <laughs> was, and not only that, it's beyond. And we're going to try to do this without crying, but you know, when you Skype with him and you know where he is, yeah. And um, you're not allowed, and he's, everybody I know who went over there said, do not show fear, do not show that you're nervous, you've got to be happy. He's mm. got to click on that screen. Well, because he's got to show you he's okay. He's got enough to worry about yeah. without you, without him worrying about you being worried. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you go a day and you don't hear, or two days, and you don't hear from him, it's... Uh, it, How long was he over there? He was over there for nine months. But it yeah, it's just too it, long. Man. It changes And you. I think about the parents and the brothers and, and who deal with guys who come back and girls who come back with no arms or who are just never the same. Um, and that's why I, you know, if, if you're going to go to war, you better do it for the right reason. Um, the, 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 and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't get into that, but I, I, it's, it's 70,000. I think we have 70,000 veterans who are 70% or more disabled. And that's an unacceptable number. Especially, it's, it's, you know, it's what happens with the VA now. I don't. It's not enough. Okay. Well, listen. The um, this the service and the medical attention that the vets are getting is just not up to par. And and it it what is baffling is that we spend so much time training these soldiers. We to kill, we, man. We put so much time and energy into making sure that when they get over there, they're, they're prepared. They do, yeah. But we don't put the same amount of time and energy to make sure when they come back. They're just as taken care of, right? And and it's like I think it's it's been that way for a long time. I mean, I think uh, yeah, it's always been. I think you'd find veterans of every war I'm with sure. a similar gripe. Uh, I don't want to use the word gripe because it's more than that. It's a legit, you know, complaint. And um, I, yeah, man. Again, you're talking about shit that makes me crazy because I can't control it. I can't fix it. But that's why. As a look, as a is that one of the reasons you think you work out as hard as you do? 
Are you because you're to control mm. things? I mean, you can't control. Oh, I just work out because I I like the way it makes me feel. I mean, you know, I I work out because um, I don't want to die ever. <laughs> <laughs> I work out because I can. Yeah. I you know I love Ido Portal. I don't know if you know him. He's uh-uh. this Israeli movement specialist. Move because you can. You know what that's, are your movement patterns? You know he's great. That's <laughs> but I, I love. Uh, I like to move. I'm I'm very kinetic. I can't sit still. Do you a lot of energy? Do you when you say that you like you want to live forever? I know you said that jokingly, but is that like is that a concern? Do you wake up every morning? Is that a concern of yours that you're getting older? Um, in this town, yes, I Me suppose. Too. I mean, I that's you know. That's so human. To, like well, again, not to bring up Socrates, but you know what? What is? How do you define love? And he said, "Well, you've got to define love of what is man truly right. love? Immortality. There's no one in the world doesn't want to live forever. That's why your kids are so important to you. That's why your work is so important to you because you're leaving a mark. We all want to be significant. We all want to leave a mark. And if we do it through our progeny, or we do it through our, you know, building the Taj Mahal, or painting the Sistine Chapel, uh, whatever it might be, yeah, doing a podcast. We all want to be relevant. Yes." Well, okay. Uh, interesting question for you. How do you want your son to think of you? Well, it's a goddamn great question, and it's what I'm writing about. Um, it's such a good question. I can tell you for me, and I've, I've thought about it. For me, it seems really simple. Mm. I, I want them to want. I want them to be proud. This is so simple of who I am. Yeah. It's so simple. I want them to look at me and go, he did this the way I think they will with you. And I think they will with me because we made the right choices. We, we, we made the big choices. Um, yeah, I want my son, you know what I want to teach my son? I want to teach my son to laugh at himself, Mm -hmm. not take himself too seriously. I want him to teach. I want to teach him to be self-reliant and resilient. Um, those Resilience things, is a huge thing. Yeah, and I'll set an example, and I'll fuck up, and you know, and uh, but I, I, I want my son to think. You know, the main thing is I want my son to know I love the shit out of him, and my daughter too. That's thing number one. Yeah. How old's your daughter? Seven. Thing number one, and to me, the most important thing is to know they love. They're loved, and then it's up to you. I've said this a million times, and I wrote it in my book. Look, for every good thing you do as a parent there is an opposite. There's something bad that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. There just is. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect parent. Right. So, so if you talk about oh, this parent is so organized and has their kid, well, that, you know, that kid who's structured their entire life when they leave the house, that may not be good for them yeah. because now they're in fucking free fall. That's right. Right. Well, that, so, that's, you know, you can be a lot of wealthy kids are not ready for the real world. Not ready. Yeah. But I will tell you, like for me, when you teach your kids that they're loved, most important thing, but then, like, you have to decide what's important to you. Like, recently, my son got his first car. And people are like, what'd you buy him? i tell you what I bought him. Nothing. That's not my job to buy him mm-hmm. a car. I want Because if I buy him a car, he doesn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. He has a 2004 Kia because that's what he could afford. Yeah. Right now, a lot of people are like, what no. an asshole move. Who would no. buy? It's great. I just don't. For me. That for first me. of all, fuck him. For, yes. First of all, my son, when he's fucking what was your first he's car? 18, I got a Honda Civic. And when my son's 18, he's going to fucking get whatever happens to be there i'm not no you know yeah for me it was like it was i'm already like, annoyed at him yeah i love him 
fucking wait till he starts jerking off in the shower. Oh, that's awesome. It, oh, Christ. I, I, but that's the thing about my son. My daughter's a complete mystery. My son, I understand yes, everything. I know that, that fucking kid. That's what I said a million times. I like, know him. I, we have the same interests. I haven't grown at all since I was four. He's in his round, smooth surfaces, eating and fighting, you know, penetrating. Yeah, stabbing, penetrating shooting, things. Yeah. Right, all right, same thing. My son, actually, I was in his room. This was uh, before he went out, over to, out to college. And I was walking to talk to him. And he, and he saw me walk around things. And I, he goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm not stepping on those socks. And he goes, why not? I go, just in case. Because I was a teenage boy who jerked off my bed and I'm, threw the sock I'm, on the I'm floor. I'm still jerking off. Right, I mean, but you, know, yeah. you just leave the sock on the floor because yeah. you don't, what do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, I, that, but I agree. My daughter, I had the same problems, man, because I don't know her path. All I know is that I know dudes my age. Yeah. And I knew what they would try to do, Right. So yeah. I told her, you can't believe a fucking word anybody at the end of the age of 25 ever says to you. My, my daughter, you know, again, she's like seven. She's into the unicorns twirling and Perfect. braids. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't speak that language. Uh, but you know what I do? I make her laugh. I crack her up. And I am her playmate. And that's and, and I'm her protector. And I'll protect her. That's good shit, dude. Yeah. Um, all right. I know you've had a long day. And we've been here for a little while. Thank you for having me, my friend. Buddy. Come see me. Are you gonna when are you when are you airing this? I will download it tonight. It'll be up tomorrow morning. Come to the American Comedy Club New Year's in San Diego. I'll be there for a seven o'clock and a ten o'clock show. What a great club that the is. The American Comedy Company. Yes. In San Diego. Now also yeah. your podcast. The Brian Cat no, I'm sorry. Uh The Fighter and the Kid. Not anymore. The Fighter and the Kid, which is with Brendan Schaub. And uh, it's uh, even for people who are not fight fans, I would tell you tune in. It's, it's a fun. well-rounded, fun. We podcast. try to keep it well-rounded and funny. Um, and then uh, anything else? Any other roads things you want to talk about? That's it. Me in Vancouver. I think we're already almost sold out. But Vancouver, um, January, something, something. And, and we have the tour. We have the Spider Nick yeah. tour. Yeah. Tickets are still available in Seattle. Go to tfatk.com. That stands for the fighter and the kid. Yeah. Um, dot com. Tfatk.com for tickets. We still have tickets left for Seattle and Portland. Some for San Diego House of Blues, I think January 14th, and some for Las Vegas, January 10th Where in Vegas? or something. Hard Rock. I mean, you guys are selling. It's crazy. Place out months ahead of time. It's nuts, dude. I, I, I am telling you, it's nuts. Yes. Months ahead of time. Yeah. We already sold out. The Comedy Store, there's still some tickets left, I think, for February 4th. Do but we sold, we've already sold 180 tickets to it's the Comedy Store. fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, guys, am I, uh, I'll just give you what I'm doing in January. January, I'm in... Kansas City the first week, Buffalo, then Portland, With Craig Oregon. Glazer? Yeah. Craig, I tell you Craig story? Glazer. So I'm in, I'm in his office, and Greg, and Greg calls me in, and he goes, hey. And I go, yeah. And there was a girl sitting at his desk. And I go, what's going on? He goes, just, I just got to know before the weekend. You fuck teenagers? And oh, I go, what? Fucking Christ. And he goes, do you fuck teenagers? I go, no, I don't fuck teenagers. He goes, you don't fuck teenagers? I go, no. Well, it's illegal. Unless <laughs> uh, they and he was like, okay. And then, like, I was the weirdo. Yeah. Like, I was, and I was like, no, dude. I He's don't. a character. Craig is a, Greg is a character. That and, book? And that's a good gig, though. Uh, I, I like, uh, I like uh, Kansas City. I've, I've, always like good, I've always had good rooms. And Buffalo good. and Helium, and then Portland, Helium, and then Boston, Laugh Boston. I love Boston. the Helium. Mark Rose, I love those guys. And the Laugh Boston Club is amazing. It's fantastic. Um, and I'll be there, and guys, other good shit coming. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you for being here. You're the best, brother. 
I always. Right so on. happy.